Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. You guys ready? I don't believe it. So go ahead and say yes again. Come on. All right. We got to get rowdy this morning. Well, we want to welcome you to Elevation Church. Thank you for being here in person or if you're tuning in online, uh, trying to squeeze in a little bit more of summer. I understand uh, we miss you, but but uh, we're glad that you're tuning in online as well. Let me pray for us before we begin. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we ask that as we open your word this morning that you would teach us, that you would show us exactly what we need to hear and see. Father, we need you. We need your help. We need more of you. So Lord, would you do that in these moments together in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to bring up a phone number for you just really quick. Uh, this is my personal cell phone number. I'm just kidding. You got it? There it is. So what I want you to do is write down this number, put it in your phone, you know, text something to it. Because here's the thing. As we go through this series, as we go through this series on healing, I suspect that people are going to have questions. Matter of fact, I believe after today, you're going to have more questions probably. Uh, and so I want to, what I want to do is encourage you that anytime during the service, anytime during this next week, if you would like to send a question to us this next week, I have a pastor friend of mine coming in and we are going to tag team some of the questions that people are asking, doing kind of a Q&A. We'll, we'll be able to take questions that day as well, but we'll have some questions that we are hearing from you guys on. We've posted it on Facebook. We're trying to kind of get as many questions as we can so that we can begin to answer some of the questions because this is what I know. We don't always have the answer to every question this side of heaven. But I do know that we have a lot of answers, and I believe the Bible has the best answers about that. And so I just want to encourage you to go ahead and send your questions in, and uh, we'll do our best to answer some of those. So there's that number. Go ahead and get that as we get ready to get started. Now, as we continue this series, we've been talking about this metaphor called, well, this metaphor of this idea that, that, that life is supposed to be in sync with God, that there's supposed to be this harmony that we experience because of who God is, how he made us, and his willingness to send his son into this world. And here's the point I'm trying to make. We know what it feels like to be out of sync. We know what it feels like to be in a disharmonious relationship even. But what God wants is for us to live in a harmonious relationship with him. And so one preacher has indicated that he believes that sickness and disease, among other things, are an example of the disharmony that is happening in the created order that's created in, that's in our life, uh, in our existence, in our bodies, that sometimes what happens is our, because of death, because of sin, because of all these things, that sickness and disease are present. And that has created this disharmony that all of us experience. And so you, you may kind of get what I'm saying or maybe you've picked it up. But, but I just want you to get that idea that God desires for us to have harmony with his created order. And because of sin, because of brokenness, there's a disharmony that's been created. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to address that problem. 
And that's the good news, friends. And so, so we have to understand that all of us are in a similar situation in need of God to do something mighty to help us. Because here's the thing that I know. Listen to this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It's not going to be on the screens because it's hot off the press. It's something I added in this morning. I'm sorry, but here it is. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Listen. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Very clear. If you don't know who Adam is, Adam and Eve, the garden, perhaps you've heard that story. But basically, the Bible says that sin entered the world through Adam. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. So everybody has been affected by it, for everyone has sinned. Isn't that true? I mean, the Bible says, I mean, anybody in here perfect? Anybody, you know, as far as I know, none of us fall into that category. And so the, the reality is, is we've all sinned. And therefore, as a result, death has been a part of our existence. We will eventually die physically, but there's also all kinds of other death that we experience in life. And so one of the things I want us to see is that all of us are in the same boat. All of us are in need of a healing. All of us are in need of, 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 of this death and disease situation being addressed by God. Now, here's what I know about the scriptures. The scripture really teaches four types of healing. Four types of healing. The first is, is forgiveness of sins. Now, you may not consider forgiveness of sins a healing, but the Bible does. And so Jesus oftentimes would say, I forgive your sins, and then he would heal them physically. So he would start there. And so we know that the Bible teaches that type of healing. So four basic ways that the Bible teaches healing. Number one, forgiveness of sins. Number two, inner healing of our emotional problems. Any of you have emotional problems? If you don't think so, just ask your neighbor, maybe your spouse. They might be able to help you with that. But all of us deal with emotions. All of us are, are, are dealing with emotions on a regular basis. And we deal with these things that are in our brains. And many of us are struggling to handle or deal with the emotional things that go on in our minds. God wants to heal. Number three is physical healing. We know that God wants to heal people physically. We've seen Jesus do it or we, we've read of Jesus doing it. Maybe you've even experienced it yourself. But physical healing is another type of healing that the Bible teaches. And then number four, deliverance and exorcism. Now, now, for some of you, you're thinking about some uh, weird, creepy girl with her head spinning around and pea soup shooting out of her mouth. You know, I don't know if, if that was your experience of this uh, or, or maybe you're hearing banjos. I don't know. But I do know this, that deliverance and exorcism is something that the Bible teaches. God wants to deliver us from sin. God wants to deliver us from the things that can contort and twist our lives God wants to also deliver us from any kind of possession or oppression that can come in the spiritual. That's what the Bible teaches. So here's the thing I know is that the Bible teaches these four types, these four basic types of healing. But there are sometimes reasons why people don't get healed. That's just true. And, and, and many of us have experienced that. But I just want to say to you that the Bible is clear on that, too. That there are reasons why people don't get healed. And so what I want to do today is speak directly to those matters and do my best. And so what I'm asking for you for is your grace a little bit, because clearly this is a minefield. Uh, but, but I also want you 
to, to know that the Bible teaches so much on this and it's important that we understand it. Because see, I think that sometimes what's, been, what's happened is there's a simplistic approach that's been presented to people that doesn't always seem to capture reality. And that is this, this idea that if I name it and claim it, I'll be healed. Now, I'm not here to say that that's not true. Matter of fact, I, I believe the Bible says that you should name it. You should claim it. You should walk in faith towards your healing. But I am saying that sometimes it doesn't happen the way that we want it to happen. It doesn't happen always in the way or maybe the timing that we want it to happen. So there's all these nuances that need to be entered into the story. Because yes, I believe you should claim God's word. You should claim your healing. You should stand in faith for these things. But yet, also recognize, also recognize that sometimes things don't always happen the way that we want them to. Isn't that true? I mean, that, that seems logical and reasonable based on what I see and probably what you see and what you've experienced. And so here's the kind of the idea that I really want you to see, and that's this. It's important for us to see and understand that God's ordinary, everybody say ordinary. Now you can say that with a little more gusto. God's ordinary. There you go. God's ordinary will is that people will be healed. I believe that. I believe that's his ordinary will. Unless, listen, unless there is some countervailing reason. So God's ordinary will is that God wants to, be, wants to see people healed. But sometimes there are countervailing things happening that stand in opposition to that healing. And so I want to make sure that we understand this because there's no doubt in my mind that God is a loving God. He is a compassionate God. And when he sees his kids hurting, he wants to help them. He wants to heal them. He wants to do something. And so we, we need to recognize that that's true. And at the same time, recognize that there are parts of this that we actually are called to play. And sometimes what happens is the things that we're doing, these countervailing things, can actually stand in opposition to what God is doing or what God wants to do. Now, it's not saying that God can't do it because God can do whatever he wants. But ultimately, he's called us into this partnership. And I'm just saying today that there are reasons why today, we have to hear this, there are reasons why sometimes people don't get healed. And the Bible speaks to those. So we'll spend the rest of our time talking about that today. But, but I want to zero in on a big idea that you have to get. Here it is. It's, it's very simple, but it's so powerful. But you have to see it. In light of eternity, in light of eternity, we look at today. And here's what we have to understand. Ultimate healing is inevitable for those who believe. Ultimate healing is inevitable for those that believe. See, the Bible says that very clearly, that someday, someday, in the by and by, as they say, I will get to the place I'm going. And when I get to the place I'm going, which the Bible describes as the presence of God, heaven, the new Jerusalem, that at some point I'm going to get there, and when I get there, healing is coming to my life ultimate healing is coming to my life. Now, I want to read something to you, and I, I just have to read this to you. It's not on the screen, so you just got to pay attention, but here it is. This is in 
Revelation 21. And what this is, is a picture of where we're headed. And I, I love this. I love this in chapter, or chapter 21, verse 4. Listen to this. Just, just for a moment, picture it in your mind. And God, when you get there, when you get there, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Come on. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And then Jesus sits on his throne and he says, Behold, I make all things new. Come on. Oh, it's so good. In other words, that someday we're going to get there. The Bible says that. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, ultimate healing will eventually show up in your life when you get there. And it happens because you believe in God. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that you have that in the back of your mind? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes life can get so hard that we forget where we're headed. Sometimes life can get so blurry, so distorted, so difficult that we actually forget where we're headed. And so, so Romans 6.23 says this, that, 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 that for the wages of sin is what? Death. So death entered into the world and death is what we experience in this life. And death is one of those things that, that, that comes to our life in so many ways. Death and disease and sickness and disorder and disharmony and all those things come into our life. But I love this. The Bible contrasts that idea and says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good? That, 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 that death is present, but we have to recognize that, that, that life is also present and that someday we'll spend eternity with God in heaven and ultimate healing will come to our lives. And then here's the thing. In Matthew 12, 27 through 30, Jesus is telling this parable and he's telling this parable about planting seed and how these seeds grow together. And, and, and I'll just share just a little bit of it. But listen, he's telling the story and he says, the owner's servant came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? So, so what's happened is something has happened where seed was planted, but there's a problem, okay? So he, he goes on, he tells the story. He says, where did the weeds come from if you planted good seed? An enemy did this, he replied. Here, here, listen. You have to see this point. An enemy did this. Whether you know it or not, you have a spiritual enemy. And there are things that are happening in our lives right now that are a direct result of the enemy's attack in your life. And so he, he goes on, he said, an enemy did this. Doesn't say God did it. Doesn't say even the servant did it. It said an enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? And, and rather than say yes, he says no. He says don't pull them up because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. So what he's saying is, is that you've got both of these things growing together and if you pull on one, you're going to pull both. And he goes on to say this, let both grow together until the harvest. In other words, there's a harvest coming. Let them grow together. And then he says this. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them and, in a bundle and have them burned. Then gather wheat, gather the wheat and, and bring it into my barn. Do you see? Do you see what's happening? See, 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 God is saying, let them grow together. And there's a reason he's saying, let them grow together. Because he's saying that if I pull them up now, I'm going to get both of them. 
And so, so, so what he wants us to see is that there's a time and a place for God's plan. There's a time and a place for the harvest. And there's a time and a place when God will come back in full glory. There's a time and a place for this. And he says, while that time has not yet come, these things grow together. The weed and the wheat grow together. And now here's the thing that sometimes we don't see because all we see is the weed. Is that God is actually being gracious to us. He's actually being gracious in the, in the process because, because see, God wants people to be saved. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God wants all people to be saved. In other words, that God relents in the face of sickness and disease often because he wants to see more people come into the kingdom of God. And if he rips it up now, if he ends the whole game now, less people will be there. Does that make sense? And so Jesus is telling this story about eternity. He's telling the story about what's coming in order to help us to see that sometimes things happen in life that God doesn't necessarily get rid of because he's actually helping his kids bring more people into the kingdom. That's not easy, is it? Because all of us are like, come on, Lord, just fix the problem. Just fix it. But I can tell you, for that friend that you're praying for, for that family member you're praying for, for that person across the country that you're praying, for that person that's in India right now that maybe you're praying for, it matters to them that we're still growing together. And eventually, though, it will be separated. Eventually, though, it will. And so, so I need you to understand this principle, this idea that ultimate healing is inevitable for those that believe as we kind of launch into the six reasons people don't get healed. Six reasons. Now, this isn't exhaustive, but this is my best list, all right? Number one, now is not the time. Now is not the time. Now, 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 what do you mean by that? Well, I believe this, that if you pray, God hears your prayers. Matter of fact, I believe God answers your prayers. He either answers, he answers three ways. He either answers yes, he answers no, or he answers not yet. And so it's not that, like when people say, God wasn't answering my prayer. Yeah, I believe God always answers our prayers. But he answers them, yes, no, or not yet. We really don't like no. Come on. Right? Isn't that true? We don't like no. Sometimes he answers yes, and sometimes he says, not yet. See, I believe that God wants to heal you. I believe he does. I believe he wants to heal you. But here's the thing. Sometimes it's yes, but not yet. Sometimes it's yes, but not yet. That's why this whole thing about ultimate healing coming to the believers inevitably is important. Because sometimes in life, our healing will come in eternity. It won't necessarily come in this life. That's just a reality. It's true. There are four basic sequences to healing. The first is, come on, instantaneous. Perhaps you've seen it. Somebody prays, that person gets healed right there. Maybe you've prayed for yourself or your kid before and said, Jesus, I believe that you will break this fever off this child right now. And it happens in a moment. And it's instantaneous. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but the Bible teaches that instantaneous healing happens. The other thing that the Bible teaches is that sometimes the sequence is delayed, that you can pray for someone, pray for them like, let's say you came forward today and someone prayed for you and, and you received your healing, but it doesn't come to you until maybe the end of the week, like, or maybe the next day, or when you get home today. I mean, that's happened, where the healing comes in a delayed fashion. Now, another sequence is that it's a process, that it's going to take time. That it's a healing over time that you experience one day at a time in faith, watching God do this process in your life. 
And then here's the other reality in terms of sequence. Sometimes it doesn't seem to occur in the physical. Sometimes it doesn't seem to occur in the physical. Now, that's not saying that it's not happening in the spiritual, that there aren't things working on your behalf, or that maybe it's a not yet in the sense that when you get to heaven, it will be healed ultimately. And I believe that because the Bible teaches it. And perhaps right now you're praying for someone that you care about. You're asking God to intercede. And here's the thing I know is that most time when people pray for healing, they're praying for it because they care. (laughs) Like they care for someone. They care about themselves. They care about the situation. But they're praying because they actually care. And so what happens because we have so much of a care involved that when it doesn't happen in our time or when we want to see it or how we want to see it, it can be very dejecting and very hard to get our brains around. But the thing I have to help you see is that sometimes it's a not yet. It's a not yet, but it doesn't mean that God isn't working. Number two, number two. So so, so it's not the time. Number two is not using the natural means of preserving health. Come on. Let me say it a little more plain English, all right? You're not taking care of your body. What? We've just entered into the theological no-fun zone, haven't we? We're not taking care of our own bodies. Are you saying that I need to take care of the body that God gave me? Yes, that's part of the deal. God gave it to you to steward and care for. And, and so, so if the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, listen to this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And so I just asked you this question. How's your honoring going? Like, how's your honoring of the body going? Uh, you know, if we go and we buy a six-pack of McDonald's French fries, or 12-pack, let's go with a 12-pack. I don't even know if they have those. Six super-large French fries, and we pound them alone in our car with a big drink, a big soda. Now, all of us are like, that sounds fun. And there's nothing wrong with eating a french fry, all right? But but what happens sometimes is we take a good thing and we turn it into something that's bad. Did you know that all sin is usually a good thing that we've turned into something bad? Like, that's the crazy thing about it. And so, 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 so if you're pounding french fries all day long, there's a good chance your body is going to be affected. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, uh, Super Size Me. I, I would encourage you not to watch it if you don't want to ever eat fast food again. But, but, but it's, 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 this guy eats it for like a whole like month or something. I don't know, 60 days or whatever it is. And it's a year. Okay, so it's bad. But his body is affected on this crazy level. And again, I know that this is an extreme. But the part that I'm trying to get is that as as believers in Jesus Christ, this is the temple of the Lord. I'm supposed to take care of this thing. I'm supposed to to, to do the right thing. So here's a question for you. How's how's your stress right now? Like, really, how's your stress? You thought I was going to go with French fries. But how's your stress? See, See, I think sometimes stress, no matter of fact, if you Google stress, Doctors and psychologists, they all know it's not good for you. But guess where they found that out? God. Because, see, God is the one of all knowledge. 
They're just finding the breadcrumbs. See, God created all of it. And so God knew stress was bad for us from the very beginning. And if you do a Google search, you'll see how bad stress is for your life and how it affects your mental state, how it affects your body. So how's your stress today? How's your eating? Come on. How's that going? If you eat trash, well, you'll have trash inside you. How about this one? Exercise. Oh, no. He's gone, done, did it. He's talking about exercise. Guys, I get it. Some of you love to exercise. Some of you hate it. I'll be honest with you. I hate it. But I have to do it. Because I want to make sure that I care for my body as best I can. And I can tell you, my son does it with me right now. And, and here's the thing. He knows that I don't want to do it. But I'm doing it because I want to give God everything I have. And I don't want to short circuit my time on this earth to bring him glory simply because I was lazy. So, 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 so we don't use the natural means of preserving our life. I love the way that Dr. Francis McNutt said this. He said it this way. He said, unless you take ordinary care of yourself, do not expect to be cured of your sickness through extraordinary means. Isn't that good? Is that we have something that we have to do. There is a responsibility that we need to be a part of. Number three is refusal to see medicine as a way that God heals. Now, in a world like now, like, I mean, we live in a world right now where, where these disciplines are at each other's throats. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and here's what I want to just do. I so just want to calm everything down for a second. Help us just kind of calm everything down. I'm not going to talk about vaccines, so just, just relax. Just calm it down and recognize something that the Bible teaches that God has taught uh, his people for a very long time, specifically the Jewish people. There was one Jewish writer, he said it this way, Hold the physician in honor. This man was writing at the time of Jesus. He says, hold the physician in honor, for he is essential to you, and, and, and God is the one that established his profession. Isn't that interesting? Now, he goes on to say, he says, from God, the doctor has his wisdom. God makes the earth yield healing herbs, which the prudent man should not neglect, was not, listen to this, this is great. If you know the Old Testament, watch this. Was not the, the water sweetened by the twig that men might learn of his power? Now, if you don't know that story, there's a story where, where they, they throw a twig into the water and the water was bitter. And when the twig went into the water, the water became sweet. And so what, what, the point that I'm trying to make is that this is not a new idea. And I think it's so important that we recognize that medicine has a part to play. Pharmacies have a part to play. That God doesn't look at physicians or medicine and be like, don't do that. No, no. He always wants us to be wise, of course. But those things are given to us by God to help us be healthy. And it's so important that we see that. And I think we've got to get off any train that's vilifying people right now. Like, I just think we got to get off that train. we got to be wiser as believers in Jesus Christ. We have to think. And one of the things I know is if I have a headache, I am taking some ibuprofen. What? Come on, you ever had a bad one? And you just like, i got to get the ibuprofen in me. Do it. Now, if you're taking 600 of them, you're going to kill your liver. 
And so we have to be wise, but there's no reason not to do it. You know what I mean? And so we could go on and on and on, and there have been historical arguments and debates for years about should we do this, should the doctors, and look, I get all that, and I'm not dismissing it, and that's why we are guided by ethics. We need to make sure we're having the right ethic as, as Bible-believing people in terms of what science is doing and what it isn't, but at the same time, it's okay for us to use what God has given us. Do you notice how I said that? I didn't say doctors gave it to us. I didn't say physicians. I didn't say pharmacists. I said God did. God is the one that created the knowledge. God is the one that created the plant. So my point is, is that we have to recognize that God is involved in all of that. Makes sense? And here's the thing I know. With my sister-in-law, who you've heard me talk about throughout this series, there is no doubt in my mind that God used doctors to help restore her life. There is no doubt in my mind that God used medicine to help restore her life. But I know this as well, and this is why I'm preaching on it, is that doctors and medicine can only go so far. And when you get to the end of doctors and medicine, we have to recognize that there is a God that is more than able. And so in the hospital, if, if you guys were in the room, I was not there, but I was told this, that when they finally decided to stop giving her CPR, when they were done, she had coded three times, they decided to give up. She's laying in the bed. They've pulled everything off her. They've stopped. And in that moment, her eye opened. Her eye opened. And they grabbed her and they put the stuff back on her. And, they, and then from there, she started to fight for her life. Look, I think they were done. But God was not done. And so he reaches in to space and time and does something miraculous that no one else can do. So here, look, when it comes to medicine, start with God. Go to the doctor. Take your medicine. Do all of those things to make sure that you're strong for the kingdom of God. And don't reject something that God helped usher into the world on your behalf. Number four, the suffering is redemptive. This is the fourth thing I know. Sometimes healing doesn't come because the suffering is actually redemptive. What does that mean? Well, listen to this in Colossians 1.24. I am glad when I suffer for... <laughs> I am... <laughs> Paul, why did you say this? He says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. See, Paul had figured something out that the suffering he was experiencing had a purpose. It had a redemptive purpose. Because listen to this. He says, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. So in other words, what he's saying is I am suffering. I'm experiencing this thing that I'm experiencing in order that more people might be saved and that the church might be built up. See, sometimes suffering comes into our world not because it's always a bad thing. It's a bad thing for us sometimes, but it's a good thing for the kingdom. And see, that's what Paul understood. Paul was on a whole nother level of faith because sometimes, I don't know about you, but when suffering comes, are, are you like, yep, I'm in. So excited, Jesus can have another. No, not usually. But God, God can use suffering. 
Matter of fact, in, in Galatians 4.13, Paul says this, and it, it's really powerful because he, he, he actually puts the onus on the sickness. Watch this. As you know, I was because. Everybody say because. Okay, so as you know, I was because of an illness. Wait, it was because. I can't even read, guys. It's, it happens. As you know, it was because of an illness. Because. Wait, are you saying because of an illness this happened? Yeah, that's what he's saying. He said, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. So Paul got sick, and as a result of this sickness, it led him to the place that he needed to be so that he then could proclaim the gospel to the people that God had prepared in advance for him to speak to. Isn't that crazy? And so Paul is very clearly saying that that, that this illness was used by God. Now, he doesn't say that God caused it. He didn't say that. He says that God used it. And so there are opportunities sometimes in our suffering. There are opportunities in our sickness. And I've been in hospital rooms where men and women were dying and God has used them to reach people for the gospel by the way that they responded to their own suffering. God has used them mightily. Number five, number five. And this is where it gets a little harder and it gets a little more personal. Number five is a lack of faith. I know that that's not what we want to talk about sometimes when it comes to healing, but it's true that the Bible teaches it. Matthew 17, 14 through 20, listen to these words. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. How long, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And he says, because they couldn't heal this man or this boy. He says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebukes the demon. This is exorcism. Jesus rebukes the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Jesus performs an exorcism. The little boy is cured. And then watch this. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, "Uh, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Because apparently they had been trying. They had been praying and seeking the Lord and asking God to heal him. So Jesus said to them, because of your what? Unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Now, pastor, are you putting this on me? No, I'm not just saying it's about you. I'm just saying you have a part to play. That's why the question at the beginning of the series is so important. Do you believe? Do you believe? Will you stand in belief? Will you stand in faith even when you don't see what you want to see? He says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, listen, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Wow. Verse 21. However, do you, this kind, listen, this kind does not go out except, look at that, except by prayer and fasting. So, so wait, so Jesus is saying, not only did you lack faith, but you also were, were handling the, the, this issue in the wrong way. He was saying you weren't doing enough. <laughs> you weren't fasting and praying to make sure that this boy got healed. Now, I don't know about you, when you hear that, there's a part of you that starts to go through your Rolodex of all the times that people in your life haven't been healed or, or things that have gone on, and now you're like, oh, pastor, you're, 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 you're saying it's my fault. No, I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying that the Bible teaches that lack of faith can have an impact in a situation. And so we are called to be people of faith. And again, healing's in God's hands. Faith is in our hands. And we never separate that. God is the healer, not you. But you are called to be faithful to a God who absolutely can heal people. And so we have to recognize that a lack of faith sometimes can be a problem. A lack of faith can sometimes lead to a result that none of us want to see. And then finally, number six. Number six, we're going to get them all in today, guys. Come on, stay with me. Finally, and this is the last one, sin. Sin. So wait, what are you saying? Well, listen to this. For the wages of sin is death. So in other words, because of sin, death entered the world. Because of sin, death can enter into your relationships right now. Because of sin, death can enter into your body. Because of sin, death can enter into your mind. Does that make sense? Like we have to recognize that sin is pervasive and it can, it can infect all kinds of things. And there are parts of this that we can actually say no to. Did you know that? Like the Bible says, if you'll stand in faith and say no to that sin, you don't actually have to sin. It's a choice. Did you know that? God is not up there going, you will sin now and you just sin. No, no. You choose to sin. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? I mean, and so, so here's the thing is that sin brought death. And as, 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 as Wesley used to say, is that sin remains, but it no longer reigns. Let's insert death. Death remains, but it no longer reigns. Does that make sense? You have the power to overcome. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you, not just to empower you, but to empower you, not just for the mission, but to empower you, come on, to overcome sin. And so the Bible is very clear about this. And so here's the thing I want to say as we end. A lot of times, the sins of our life are much more covert. They're not, they're not things that are like we're, you know, it's like I got all of my sin on a table and everybody can just see all of them and says, like, yeah. No, they're much more covert than that. And matter of fact, I want to give you three that I think can actually destroy you. They can destroy you. They will make you sick. They will affect your body. They will affect your mind. They literally will be used by the devil to kill you. And the Bible says that the enemy came into this world to do what? Kill, kill, steal, and destroy. And so, these are three that I know will take you out if you let them. Number one, unforgiveness. Number two, resentment. And number three, bitterness. All three of these will eat you up if you let them. And so my, my heart for us today is that we would recognize wherever we have unforgiveness, wherever we have resentment or bitterness, that God wants to heal you. He wants to make you healthy in these areas. And if you will give unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness over to Him, He will begin the process of healing whatever the enemy has stolen from you. Because I don't know if you know this, we're not playing around here Unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness are all what? Sin. And it affects our body, it affects our minds, and it ruins people's health. And you know it's true because you've had people, doctors, you've had psychologists, you've had all these people tell you it's true. 
But before they knew it was true, God knew it was true. And we have to get free of these things. And so where do you have it? Where do you have unforgiveness in your life? Where do you have bitterness? Where do you have resentment? Maybe it's directed at God. Maybe it's directed at a person. I don't know. But one thing I know is if my vertical is messed up, it will affect my horizontal. And so if I'm angry, bitter at God, if there's something there that I need to let go of or get, get right, my friends, it will affect you. It'll ruin your health. I've seen it. I have a family member. It breaks my heart. Her son was killed at a really young age. And she's never been the same. And the bitterness has just ate her up. It has just ate her up. And let me ask you a question. Who do you think wants that to happen? It sure ain't God. It's the enemy. And so my heart for us today, as we think about these reasons of healing, these, uh, or people not even getting healed, is that we would start to think about these six and begin to put our faith in the one that can do exponentially more than we can think or imagine, that we put our faith and our trust in him and watch what he would do. And now I'll end with this in Mark chapter 11, 22 through 25. Listen, Jesus is speaking. He says, have faith in God. That's enough. Have faith in God, not in you, not in a doctor, not in a medicine. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, <laughs> It will be done for him. Now, I know that you've probably even spoke to a mountain before and you didn't see it. But guys, it doesn't take away the fact that God is still more than able. He's more than able. And he says, don't worry about the result. Have faith in me. Have faith in God. 24, therefore, I tell you, watch this. Whatever you ask in prayer, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it. So that's like when I pray for you and I say, do you believe it? And you say, yes, I believe it. Keep believing it. Keep receiving it, knowing that God is working on your behalf, even if the answer is not yet. And then watch this. He says, believe that you've received it and it will be yours and you think he stops there. You think Jesus is like, okay, good. Everybody pumped up? He doesn't stop there. So he's, he's got us vertical with that, right? He's saying, pray to God, believe God, do the whole thing. But do you notice in just a second, he's about to go horizontal. Watch this. He says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Do you notice it? It's vertical, but he doesn't stop there. He says, you want to be healed? Now, I know you want to see miracles. I know you want to see the mountain move. 
But he says, are you willing to do this too? Because see, when you do that, you're going to get healing on both levels. And that's what God's interested in. Remember, we've talked about wholeness. That's what God's interested in, wholeness. And so I just ask you this question. Is there anything separating you? Do you have any bitterness, resentment, or hurt that you need to, to deal with? Because God wants you to deal with it. He wants you to give it to him. He wants you to surrender it to him. Because if you do, he'll begin the process of not just forgiving you, but healing you. See, sin separates us. Forgiveness frees us. Christ heals us. Sin separates us. Forgiveness frees us. And Christ heals us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word tells us that we need to believe you and not anything else. Father, right now, I know that there are people in this room that have heard the message today and there have been parts of it that maybe are hard for them to hear. Maybe you've seen yourself in the story a little bit. Perhaps you've been neglecting your body. Perhaps you've been neglecting your mind. Perhaps there's some habitual behavior in your life. Some kind of secret thing. Some area of uh, just a lack of faith. I don't know what it is, but I know this. All of us have need of the Father. And I just say to you the same thing Jesus says to everybody. Put your faith in God. The Bible says that if you'll do that, that he actually will come in and he will move some mountains. He'll knock down some walls. He'll kill some giants. Some things that you can't do. He'll do the extraordinary. He'll do the supernatural. Because that's what he does. And maybe it's just a chance for you to get right with God. Maybe there's some things you've just let get too far. And I just want to pray for anybody that would say, you know what, I've let some things get out of hand. Just pray for you. God, I pray for anybody here today that feels like they've gotten a little out of hand. They've gone too far. They've said some things. They've done some things. The Bible says that if you'll confess your sins, God is absolutely faithful to forgive. And ultimate healing will come to your life, but also we all need healing from sin. So Father, I pray for anybody in this room today. Just begin to say to the Lord, Lord, I need your help. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I want to get right. Be back in unity with you. Back in harmony with the Father. So Lord, would you help me do that? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you, would you restore me? You know, the Bible says so clearly that we are separated from God through our sin. And some of us today have never taken a step of faith to have our sins forgiven. 
Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And all you have to do is reach out your hand in faith and connect with the one, the source, the one that can save you and set you free. And so I just want to ask you today, if you would say that you've never done that, that that's not your story, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. You may wonder what the gospel is. I'll say it to you very clearly. Jesus came into this world. He died on a cross. He was placed in a tomb. Three days later, he beat sin and death to create a bridge back to the Father. And that someday, he'll come back in final victory. That's the gospel. The Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that these things are true, that he will save you and you will spend eternity with him. So what I want to do is ask you this question. Do you know that you know that celebrate those that are making decisions today.